SCF Highway to Hope podcast here on Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo. I'm your host, Shannon Courier, the Director of Philanthropy with the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. And I'm always joined by my amazing and humble producer, Greg Thompson. Hey, Greg. Hey, Shannon. When you said that, I was thinking like, well, am I a bad habit that you can't get rid of? Or There's a line to go with every song. You're a hard habit to break. That's right. I love it. And it's funny you bring that up because we will be talking about songwriting with Levi Haman. But before we get to that, we're here because you guys have a big event, April 22nd, Knoxville, Tennessee, Cotton Eye Joe's. Tell us about it and tell us how we can get those tickets because it's counting down to April 22nd. We are counting down the days. So if you missed the first episode in this series, you got to go back and listen to it. Absolutely. Yes, it's fantastic. This is our second interview with Levi Humman. We have so much great content. We had to break it up into two and we wanted to share some music with you all too. This is our next episode in the artist series for the Highway to Hope event. As you mentioned, Greg, that is Saturday, April 22nd in Knoxville, Tennessee at the Cotton Eye Joe. And let me remind everybody where you can get tickets. The days are counting down, so put it on your schedule. If you're a driver, call your dispatcher and tell them you need to be routed through Knoxville on April 22nd, Saturday night. It's a great place and great time to take your 34 and enjoy a great time with us at the St. Christopher Fund. Tickets can be found on our website at truckersfund.org. Truckers, plural, fund with a D truckersfund.org. We would love for you to purchase the $99 VIP ticket. We're going to feed you. We're going to give you something to drink. You're going to have an artist meet and greet. You're going to get a private concert with Lindsay Lawler and Dave Nemo from Radio Nemo on the drums. He'll be joining us as well. We will have our main headliner, of course. That's who we're talking to on this podcast, Levi Amon. And we're also going to have some fun pictures to take. You're going to get to talk with Dr. John, one of our founders. We're going to be doing a special presentation for him as well. It's going to be a super special event. And I know everybody has events that they need to put on their calendar, events that you need to take time off for. This one is going to be worth it. I promise. Indeed. And and one of the things that's really cool about this series is that we're getting a chance to talk to these artists in depth. And from the first part of our interview, Levi came by this in not the usual way because you would think that it's something he would be destined to do because his dad's a very famous songwriter. And we talked a little bit about that in the first part. What's cool about this is that he's charting his own path and we started talking a little bit about songwriting influences. And in this part of the conversation, Shannon, one of the things that was very interesting to me was the influence that his mother, who is an Episcopal priest, has on his songwriting, has on his view of life, which definitely influences the songwriting. So you've got the great songwriting background of his father, and you have his mom who, as he shares with everybody, gives some incredible sermons. So you've got a lot of written words out there and you've got somebody who's really put it together in a fun package. 
absolutely. So there's a talent to being a songwriter, obviously, which Levi is, and he's written songs for other people as well. But there's also a God-given talent to pastors and preachers that goes right along with his mom. So he has it really coming from two different areas. And his mom's view, of course, influences him as well, which also influences his writing. So it's an interesting juxtaposition of influences in his life. And it's fun to hear how that comes about. I want to dive just a little bit more into songwriting just for a second, if we can. What do you think about this statement that I don't write a song, but a song writes me? Yeah, I think it's funny. Like I said, my mom's a preacher and I actually, my uncle, his name is Bud. He is a Catholic priest and he's like the dean of Santa Clara. I think he's actually in Baltimore now. But we were texting last night and he was like, I'm listening to Bach. And it's so interesting to me that some people don't like believe in God, but believe in Bach. <laughs> and it was such a weird conversation because like, I'm like Bach, whatever. But I do agree is the closest I feel to like some spirituality, divine presence is when you're writing a song or just being creative in general. I always say it doesn't come from like your mouth. It comes from like above you and then out. I think to me, that's like the most in tune with that world that I feel. And I think that's just like, because it's like, where did that come from? So I definitely agree. Like a song is just a gift and that's what it is. With your mom being Episcopal priest, writing sermons, has that helped to influence your songwriting, your worldview? Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, there's a few facets to that. <laughs> but I would say the number one thing that I would say about my mom is like, she's a preacher. and She's actually these days like touring like a lot. Her reason is obviously because she has this organization called Thistle Farms that helps women with a history of drug abuse and prostitution get off the streets. They make beautiful bath and body care products, healing oils, candles, all this stuff. They sell at Whole Foods, Whole Body. She's been Tennessee of the Year twice, CNN hero. She's an incredible, incredible woman. And the reason I'm saying that is because like my dad might be the songwriter and whatever else, but she is the rock star of the family. She gets up on the pulpit. It feels like a performance in like a good way, not like fake, but like you feel emotional and, and you feel intense. So I think I actually get a lot of that from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying there is that she makes a connection with the congregation from the pulpit. Yeah. You're in the moment. So I guess when you're performing, maybe that's something you're channeling, saying, I want to make that connection with the audience. You said like you get inspired from your mom on the music side. And I think, yeah, I think just being a spiritual person and that, but also like legitimately, I think a lot of my like just energy <laughs> comes from her. I don't think it's a one way thing with my dad being a writer and artist himself, but I think that I definitely was inspired by my mom. Some of the first places I ever sang was in church. There's so much of my music life lives in that place. And I don't really talk about that enough, I think, because it was really impactful. But I usually tend to lean towards the, I was also a preacher's kid, which makes me kind of like a rebel growing up. There's a lot of running away from that too. That kind of all defined what I am. I grew up listening to country music. I came out listening to country music too. I'm back in the old days. A lot of people don't necessarily like the newer country. I love it all. I can listen to old. I can listen to new and everything in between. But that 90s country sound is really starting to come back. And you're kind of leaning into that a little bit too, with a little bit of edginess to it. Why do you think that sound is so popular after so long? Wow. I think because the songs back then were just so good. When you say like 90s to me, it just says like nostalgic and something that was inspiring for me growing up. 
I think I was like almost less inspired by early 2000s stuff because I was like listening to even older stuff than that. So for me, it's just what I was inspired by. And I think that sound was so great. And some of those songs are just epic, like The Dance or whatever else. There's so many amazing songs that came out of that generation. I think that I'm inspired by everything. So it's just trying to figure out like what is cool to me <laughs> and just make it my own because it's already been done. So you got to just do whatever is like the most authentic to yourself. But I definitely agree. I was like those songs, not even just country, like Sublime and bands like honestly, like even like Sugar Ray and stuff like that. Like I found it. They're oh, so yeah. cool. I try to pull from all of that, I would say. I think it's cool to blend all of those together. And I think country music as a whole genre does that really well. I love when they bring in a traditional country artist and bring in somebody in from the rock genre and they merge those two sounds. I think it sounds so cool. Back in the 90s, there was a lot of dancing going on, a lot of line dancing going on, a lot of couple dancing going on. And that has really had a comeback as well. And some of the newer music is harder to dance to. That 90s music is easy to dance to as well. So I think that's one of the reasons that it's made a comeback too. I've literally seen more of my songs, even though I think they're less country than they've ever been. I will watch my TikTok and I see literal people line dancing in Oklahoma or Texas, the places where they don't let anything in their like line dancing, boot scooting area. And all of a sudden it's like good riddance. It's like two step in, whatever, kicking boots, kicking dust, whatever's going on. Those are some of my favorite videos, honestly. I think it's just because what's happening in like just the world nowadays is like we're not listening just to channels and radio. We're listening to so much more music. And so everything is like Tupac to Dolly Parton and you're just stuck in the middle somewhere. Absolutely. I say all the time, if anybody ever listened to my playlist, they would be like, what in the world? Because it's going to go from old style country, new style country, 80s hair bands, going to have some kid rock in there. I mean, it's all over the place and it just depends on the mood that I'm in. I want music from all genres. When I'm in a good mood, I want something that's going to rock going down the highway. But if I'm down, I want something that's going to encourage me. Adele, I mean, that's somebody that I love to listen to as well. Yeah, for me, though, I'm in full support of people that are like, that ain't country, like, and really to the roots. And like, people said my dad wasn't country back in 1990 something. And now his songs like Only Love with Winona Judd are some of the most country things you can possibly listen to. So that's always been like a conversation. And even like in the history of country music, it was like Dwight Yoakam versus Merle Haggard telling each other who's more country, who's faker and accent or whatever. That's like the funny thing about country music is like people telling you it ain't country music. But a funny thing that happens with me, it's like I go and play like to a pop label and I'm like, I play my songs like, oh, you're so country. It just depends on who's listening. It's literally just the person and preference. There's a club that we dance in here in my little town called Alabama's Little Bit of Texas. And the owner of it, his band still plays there, but they used to travel some. And he told a story recently with me on another podcast about his band got called out at the last second to come out to Texas and play because there was a guy that they had hired that they absolutely just did not like. He was too country. Well, they got out there. Well, the too country guy was Alan Jackson. And they were like, we just don't like him. We're not keeping him for the week. And this guy and his band stepped in. This guy and his band never really went anywhere. And then Alan Jackson's huge. So it's just a matter of who's listening. And everybody has a different preference. That's why I like music, because there's something for everybody at every point. And there's a lyric that goes with everything. So music is life. It sounds like, Levi, that you've embraced the change that's happened in the music industry. I don't know if you've talked to your dad about how it was back when he was starting to get rolling with songwriting. It's really changed in the last 20, 25 years. There are streaming services. You can have an album out and it's not actually a physical album. We've also seen vinyl come back. Can you talk to us about how you see the industry right now? Because it's kind of going around what you guys are talking about here. And, and I'm sure with your dad's kind of a historical reference and what advice has he given you? Man, 
I don't even need my dad to tell you how much has changed. I mean, the pandemic 2020, to me, there's this gigantic shift in everything. I've been around now for eight years or whatever, but 2020, it was like the year where all of a sudden there was this application called TikTok and social media became so pertinent and relevant because there's no like actual live concerts or whatever going on. So just in that two, three years now, it's been so crazy. I mean, the amount of change and the amount of access that we have to our fans as a musician and artist, it's unprecedented. You don't need a Super Bowl commercial to reach 5 million people in one day. I can literally just have a viral post and it goes crazy. That's a whole different aspect and something that we're not really used to. And, and that's changing the music industry as a whole. Some days I hate it. Some days I love it. I would say the best part about it is, is just the ultimate access to everybody. The wall that has broken down, which is like artists versus fans. It's just now it's kind of like the same. We're all together and things are less precious now, I'd say. As you can see by Morgan Wallen releasing 36 songs on an album. It's not as precious as it used to be. It's just people consume differently. It's just where we are at this time. Subject to change tomorrow. It sounds to me from our conversation that you've embraced it. I've talked to one musician in particular. He's been around for a while and those changes have been rough for that particular yeah. person. But it sounds like what you've done is you're like, hey, be a part of the change rather than fight the change. Yeah, there's people that hate on TikTok and stuff like that. But I've embraced it only because one, it's free. And two, I find that like what I would say to any artist, any age, anytime, anywhere is the amount of effort that you put into that is what you'll receive out of it. I was kind of anti it until I really started embracing it in 2020 because I had no other choice. And now we're at almost 700,000 followers on TikTok. And one of my songs just because of TikTok has 70,000 people have made videos to that song and it changed my entire life. That happens more frequent every day for artists. So I think choosing to embrace it's always a good thing because it's just like another job. <laughs> you got songwriting, you got social media, you just got to wear all the hats. And unfortunately, that's just the world we're living in at this point. And there's also people that are going to be the outliers, which will be the people that don't abide by and still are extremely successful. And hell right, good for them. What does it feel like to have such constant access? I mean, I guess if the feedback is positive, it's fantastic to hear. But people sit behind the apps and sometimes give feedback that's not so positive. How difficult is it to be just constantly bombarded with comments from people? I don't know. There's like so much hate on the internet, but at the same time, I've actually found that the younger generation within these applications is a lot more positive, I find. So the more like young leaning stuff, there's not as much kind of just hatred or like it's usually like more positive and uplifting. I find if I like have a viral post on Facebook or something like that, that it's a lot more like, wow. But I would say this for the most part, I love the access because that's what I'm striving for anyways when I'm going out and playing live shows and there's going to be people at a live show that don't like it and they're going to just talk to their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and say, this sucks. <laughs> It's just a bigger platform. And I embrace it because a wise man was told me, he was like, you rather have people hate and love you than just be like, meh, kind of middle of the road. And so I always embrace that. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is a full-time job being on social media. And I think it can be overwhelming if you don't mitigate it the right way. And so I was just curious what your feedback was on that. And you've had an opportunity to go out touring looks a lot different for people these days than it used to as well. You've been out there warming up for like party, Jordan Davis, Brett Eldridge, Brett Young, Dylan Scott. What is it like to be out there touring these days? Because it's changed a whole lot since it was back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I mean, I know from like before 2020, but when I was touring back then, it felt like 
less of it. And then now it feels like it's just so oversaturated, but in a good way too. It's like people are hungry for live music in a way that they haven't been. And it's so fun. I mean, I have a full new appreciation for going out and performing live and I didn't have before the pandemic when everything shut down. I mean, I remember literally turning my bus around and being like, can't make it. It's over. Like touring is gone for indefinitely. And now it's back. I think artists don't take it for granted at all anymore. And I think fans are better at consuming live music than they've ever been. So the whole live dynamic has changed for sure. You have a song out also with Cassidy Pope, correct? Yes. Tell us about that. How did that come about? I've been a huge fan of Cassidy's. We were actually on the same label for a little bit. And we had a write scheduled that got moved five different times. But I kept saving this one idea called After Party. And it was like, after the party is over, wish when nobody came but you. I wish you were the only person that showed up at this party. So we got together, wrote that song, and I wanted it to be a duet, and it ended up being amazing. She changed the title to RSVP, and her voice is just epic. I mean, she won the voice. It was just a blessing working with her, and that release was so cool, honestly. It's a great song. If you haven't listened to it, everybody go check out RSVP. You've got a lot of songs out there. You've got a lot of music out there. Sometimes things take off. Like Rent Free has taken off and you're paying for it with Walker Hayes. And everybody's very familiar with that. Thank you to TikTok. But you have a lot of other great music out there, too. So there's some of those song names out there. People need to be going and finding this music. Yeah, I mean, I think 42 releases now, which has been crazy because other than five of them, they've been all independent since 2017. And it's just been a really big blessing to have platforms like Spotify and Apple Music and everything to have access to fans and ability to put out music. And we just hit the mark of 170 million streams. So that's been incredible. But Paying For It, such a fun release. We also put out a song called Drink On last year, a song called Bottled Up, a song called For Me. Check it all out. I mean, it's all out there. You got good riddance out there. Your new one, of course, your new release is Rent Free. Yes, I just dropped Rent Free like last week. So it's brand new. It's rocking and it's really fun to see people just loving that song immediately out of the gate. Nowadays, you put songs out, you don't know what to expect. So it's been a fun release already. It's too bad, too bad, four miles from downtown cheap. I still get your credit card bills and your gossip magazines I can't afford this view in my bar tab at the same time But you moved out, but you moved into my mind If I burn it all down, you find a way to hang around. Opened up all the windows, so why won't your perfume just leave? I still water the garden I built you, even though it's full of weeds. If I burn it all down, 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 down,
What's your first go-to when you think about a song? Are you thinking, I want something that's going to rock people? Yeah, my immediate go-to for live stuff, for songwriting, is to write a live song that's going to sound good live. And that usually has to just fit within the set. So I'm like, what do I need here? But also, I'll say this. My dad is giving me so much shit right now because he's like, you write so many breakup songs. (laughs) He's like, you got to just like change the subject one time. He said that to me and like the next week I wrote five breakup songs and I'm going to put out a record called Another Few Songs About Breaking Up. Well, I have noticed there's been a theme to some of the songs. There's some heartbreak in there somewhere for sure. And you could add in a little note in your liner notes, inspired by dad, another act of defiance. Ultimate rebellion. Right. So you got 40 songs. We've got this big event coming up in April. We talked about it at the beginning, Cotton Eye Joe. Special event for St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. Have you thought about your set list yet for April? I might need to put a few more country songs in the set list. <laughs> It'll be fun. I'm very excited. I think this is going to be really special. And having been on the road my entire life, you got to love the truckers in this world, the bus drivers, the people that are out there just like hauling everything that we need on a day-to-day basis. So it's so important to protect that industry. And, and I'm just really, really blessed to be a part of this organization and this awesome night of music. And I love Lindsay Lawler. I've known her forever. And we've been talking about doing something together. So I'm very excited about this. I know she's excited. I was going to ask you about that. I know that you all know each other. And how did you all meet? And did she know your dad? Longtime family friends. We've just done a lot of events together and she's hosted things that my parents have been involved in. Love Lindsay. And she's actually talked to me about the truckers organization stuff and events. And I know she's very involved in that. I didn't know that she was involved until after we already accepted doing this show. So I'm excited to do something finally with her. Yes, we're excited to have Lindsay. She joined us for our first event that we had. We had our first one back in 2021 and she joined us for that. We had great acts then too. Anana Judd, Billy Dean, John Schneider, Heath Sanders, and Lindsay. That one was a virtual event from Winona's house. So this one is our first in-person event. I'm super excited about the in-person event because I'm all about live music. I love to go sit and listen to a live music while I eat dinner and that kind of thing. So I think everybody's excited about that. And we are thrilled to have the lineup that we have and have somebody young coming in there with brand new music and to bring a whole new audience in, even to Cotton Eye Joe. And there's young people that go there. They're going to be dancing to whatever you play. So you don't have to worry about that at all. The floor is going to be packed for sure. This event means a whole lot to us. The last time we did this event, we raised $75,000 to support truck drivers. So it's a huge fundraiser event for us. And we're excited to do it again this year, not as just a fundraiser, but we're celebrating 15 years at St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. And our founder, one of our founders, Dr. John, we're going to be doing a special presentation for him because this was his brainchild. And he partnered with Dave Nemo and Michael Burns from Radio Nemo to to put this organization together 15 years ago. This is a celebration of him, a celebration of hope. This is why we call it the Highway to Hope. We want to offer hope to the truck drivers that are out there when they need assistance. So you are really stepping in and helping support this organization and this industry by giving your time for this event. We greatly appreciate that. Well, of course, and I'm so excited to be there. I think the last time I was at Cotton Eye Joe, I opened up for Uncle Cracker. 
So a different experience. And yeah, I'm just very, very, very excited. Well, there's no opener. Lindsay's going to open, but you're going to be the headliner. So you're going to be bringing in the crowd. Awesome. Definitely have to get you dancing as well. I'll be out there dancing. You don't have to worry about that. We'll have to get some video. I will get you out there dancing. So you're on the road and you're out there with the truck drivers. You're living a life that's similar to what they live on the road. Yes. I mean, I have in the past. My entire 20s have been on the road. Honestly, I've got to travel this entire country. I've gotten to travel the entire world. We did Country Music Songwriters Association event that went from Scotland all the way down to London, Amsterdam and beyond. I know you are out of time and we appreciate the time that you spent with us today. And we look forward to seeing you on April 22nd in Knoxville, Tennessee at Cotton Eye Joe. Truckers are going to be there. They're going to be thrilled to have you there. And we appreciate your support and everybody go listen to Rent Free. Let's go. It's out and out. Y'all, I'm so excited to see you guys out there. April 22nd, Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville. We're going to bring the party. You can count on that. Make sure to listen to music beforehand so you can sing along. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our artist series for the Highway to Hope event taking place at the Cotton Eye Joe on April 22nd in Knoxville, Tennessee. The VIP tickets for this event are $99, but let me tell you that includes food, a couple of drinks, artist meet and greet, a private concert with our artists, Lindsay Lawler and Dave Nemo, as well as the main concert with all of our artists. General admission tickets are $20 for pre-sale, $25 at the door, so you can just show up and join us. All of the ticket proceeds are being donated to our organization, the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund, local nonprofit there in Knoxville, Tennessee, supporting professional truck drivers across the country. Get your tickets today on our website at Truckers Fund, that's Truckers with an S, Fund with a D, truckersfund.org. Purchase the VIP tickets or your general admission tickets there. If you go in to purchase that VIP ticket, your password is going to be HOPE because that's what we provide for professional drivers. H-O-P-E, all caps, truckersfund.org. We hope to see you there.